Well, good morning. It's uh, good to be able to report to you that we have coffee. <laughs> the coffee has finally made its comeback. It's overcome COVID-19. And so, yes, we have coffee. We're still looking for some other uh, workers. If you'd like to assist with the coffee refreshments ministry, um, but last time I checked, COVID cannot stand up to coffee. You know, I think coffee is a cure, as far as I know, which, of course, shows you how much I know. I don't know much, but anyway, um, unless you've been intentionally avoiding the news, which, by the way, may not be a bad idea, you know, for your mental sanity, uh, just sort of get into that John Denver escapism type thing, you know, and uh, take yourself to the hills of West Virginia or something like that. But eventually, you got to come back. You got to pay the bills. You got to live your life and and get back from uh, that escape that you might go to. And if you do, you might watch the news and you might come across some headlines and read stories about children in the public schools, such as co-ed bathrooms in the schools. Public school coaches being reprimanded or fired for not allowing girls in the boys' locker room or vice versa. Teachers being directed to call students by the new names the kids choose for themselves and to use gender pronouns that the kids prefer. So instead of uh, he or she, they might want to be called they or Z. Um, School policy forbidding teachers or administrators from informing parents of their child's new preferred name or their chosen gender identity. Books containing child pornography being made available in the school library. Millions upon millions of school dollars, tax dollars, being paid to, quote, social educators to indoctrinate children with ideas such as females might really be males, males might really be females. If you're white, you're racist. If you're black, you're a victim. Your parents are the problem, and self, these self-anointed experts are the solution. And then, of course, there's the U.S. Attorney General calling for the FBI to investigate parents who publicly disagree with these types of school board actions. And you look at all these uh, headlines, and you wonder, what in the world is going on? You know, with all of this stuff, all of this mess out there, and I'll, uh, I'll of course, give you my perspective and um, you know that since the second Sunday, Sunday of uh, January, we've been uh, making the case, I've been making the case, that Western civilization is undergoing a historic movement where the structures and the traditions and the foundations of society that we've come to rely on for so long are now being counterfeited and replaced with inferior alternatives. And this movement is an exact reversal of what happened way back in the 4th century A.D., when Christianity became the dominant force in Europe and Northern Africa, and it pushed paganism underground. And so since the 1960s, paganism has been making an incrementally growing comeback, and it is the Christian-based structures of society that are being dismantled and supplanted by cheap imitations. And so far in this series, we've seen a culture of life being replaced by a culture of death. Free speech being replaced by approved only speech. Love being replaced by unrighteous attractions and affections. The excellence of male-female distinctives 
being replaced by a rather inglorious fluidity of gender. And today I have the unpleasant task of informing you of another counterfeit, and there's a sense in which this counterfeit is the most egregious of all. Uh, But before I even mention what it is, I first want to tell you that the, uh, the pagans that are pushing this counterfeit, they are not the enemy, okay? But rather the spiritual master that they unwittingly serve is. And so, and when I call them pagans, it's not meant to be an insult, okay? I'm not intending to in any way demean their intelligence by implying that they're nothing more than uh, unsophisticated roofs of a bygone era because that's not the case. Many of them are quite brilliant as can be seen in the effectiveness with which they've carried out their strategy. For me, the term pagan is a very specific and descriptive term that encompasses and binds together a wide range of beliefs, enabling a vast array of very different people to all act in unison to push Christianity underground and dismantle the Christian structures of society. For for, uh, before Christianity took hold of the Roman Empire in the 4th century A.D., paganism ruled the day. And the paganism of that day was anything but Christian. It was a mixture of agnosticism and atheism and uh, witchcraft and polytheism and endless philosophies and an unwavering belief in science. And that's what we have today. A wide-ranging collective of anti-Christian activists and policy pushers pushing a godless agenda. And the issue I'm addressing today is one of which we dare not stand by and do nothing. For if we do, then we risk completely losing a generation of children and teens to a fate that is unimaginable. You see, what is being counterfeited, what is being removed and replaced with something inferior, is you. It is parents that are being replaced. You see, to the activists that are causing this upheaval, father doesn't know best. The government does. Mother doesn't care the most. The government does. And as long as these people are in in positions of power, of governmental power, your kids are not yours. They are theirs. They belong to them. Your children are theirs to control, theirs to indoctrinate, and theirs to mold after their own image. And at the risk of sounding like the uh, get get off my lawn old man, let me just say, back when I was in school... The subjects were mathematics, the sciences, social studies, language arts, and fine arts. But those aren't the subjects these days. Today, it is children who are the subjects. They are subjects to power-hungry people who seek to diseducate them from learning to think on their own and indoctrinate them in the art and science of collective groupthink. This way, the government creates an entire generation of poorly educated serfs 
who are left with no alternative than to render their services to their lords and masters, the elite class. And to accomplish this, reading, writing, and arithmetic are replaced by videos, speech-to-text technology, and new math in which 2 plus 2 equals 5, if that's what it takes to affirm everyone as a genius so that nobody gets offended. In the end, anything that a person believes is your truth and therefore of equal value to anyone else's truth, with one exception. Anyone who disagrees with the theology or the ideology of the day is wrong. And that person must be labeled as a bigoted, knuckle-dragging homophobe, sadly incapable of comprehending the nuances of the way things ought to be done. You see, the diseducation of the subjects, the general public, Reaches, once it reaches a critical mass, then people can be taught anything, and they'll believe it. And to accomplish the goal of controlling as much of your life and the nation as they can, there is an obstacle, an enemy, really, that needs to be overcome. And that enemy, of course, is you. You and your Neanderthal belief that somehow your kids belong to you. <laughs> How could you ever believe such nonsense, they say. You see, since, according to their, their way of thinking, these kids belong to the government, then your role as a parent becomes secondary. And if you obstruct the government in their efforts, then, well, your rights as a parent must be minimalized or perhaps even eliminated from the equation. You see, since society is leaving its antiquated Christian moorings behind, there's room for all kinds of new ideas with how to deal with these pesky parents, such as you have no right to know whether your child wants to change his or her gender. You have no right to keep your child away from pornographic material in the school library. You have no right to know which transgendered activist is visiting the schools to read the, to the students a book about having two daddies and how much that activist is being paid by your tax dollars? You have no right to know even what is being taught to your child. And you see, parents, you had better fall in line and accept this new normal because if you don't, these people might just remember not too many decades ago, how effective the nation of Germany was in instructing children to report their parents to the authorities if those parents in any way objected to the Socialist Party line. The threat of parents being put in concentration camps for, quote, re-education in that day was very real. How do you capture the heart of a nation? Capture the youth. And the adult sheeple will go along with anything. Now, it might sound like I'm really down on the public schools, and actually nothing could be farther than the truth from the truth. 
Two of my three children are public school teachers. The third will become wealthy. I myself have served as a teacher in various kinds of schools, public, private, and even charter. In fact, I used to uh, tutor students in math, including tutoring one young lady in algebra, even though she wasn't taking math at the time. I've been a substitute teacher. I was even trained in being a bus driver. I have the greatest amount of respect for school teachers, administrators, counselors, bus drivers, custodians, and cafeteria workers. My favorite day at school was pizza day, when they would serve you that rectangle piece of pizza and a side of corn. And I did what any respectable kid would do. I ate the pizza and threw away the corn. Who serves corn with pizza anyway? When you place your order for pizza today to watch the Super Bowl, try ordering a side of corn. Let me know how that goes. But other than serving corn with pizza, there's nothing wrong with the idea of public schools. However, there's something very wrong with what so many of them are becoming. So now that we're at the point that we are, how do we stop this situation from becoming any worse? Or at the very least, how do we make sure that our own kids know who they are and to whom they belong? Well, I believe that we need to go back to some of our most foundational truths. And those truths, of course, are found in the scriptures given to us many generations ago. Truth never changes. And the truth of God's word is the same. It never changes. Why? Because it comes from a God who never changes. I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Proverbs is right about in the middle of your Bible. And if you found Psalms, turn one book over past that. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Very simple verse. The English Standard Version reads it this way. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let me just uh, point out a few things about this verse, because it's so simple, we might miss these things. First of all, it's talking to parents. The father and the mother have the primary responsibility to raise their child right. Why parents? I mean, why isn't the primary responsibility given over to the government? For the welfare of that child. Well, let me see if I can explain this. I never took a high school biology. I never did. A lot of people think it was, it's required. It's not. Science credits are required. So if you can take chemistry instead of biology, like I did, then you can get out of biology. And the reason I didn't take biology is I didn't want to cut up a frog unnecessarily. You see, in my belief, whatever vocation that I chose, I was pretty sure 
that doing autopsies on frogs was not in the job description, and to date, I've been proven correct. And I trust that there's a frog out there that appreciates my choice not to take biology. The greatest scene in the movie E.T. is not E.T. flying through the air on the bicycle or E.T. trying to call home, phone home. It's when Elliot frees all the frogs from being murdered in class. I think that's what the movie is really about. Nevertheless, in spite of me never taking biology, I'm pretty sure that humans, new humans, are not created by the government, but by a mommy and a daddy. And the first people that the baby encounters is probably not an agent from the government, but either it's mommy or it's daddy. And what gives that baby daily sustenance that it needs to live and grow is not the government, it's mommy. And the people that care for that baby more than anyone else in the world is certainly not the government, but mommy and daddy. And so at what point in this narrative of this new human's life does the government or its subsidiaries think that it has the right to take over as the primary caretakers of the child? Since when do parents stop being parents because they send their kids to a public school? Parents, you need to make sure that you take a stand and reclaim your position as the rightful steward of your children. It is your responsibility, parents, to train up a child in the way he should go. And that is regardless of whether your kid is homeschooled, in a private school, or in a public school. And if your kids attend some school of any kind, parents, you need to know what is going on in that school. You might even find yourself with a unique opportunity to volunteer to help your child's teacher in some way and be a blessing to some kids that don't have a good situation at home. Train train up a child in the way he should go. What does that mean? Train up a child in the way he should go. Well, it means at least a couple of things. Number one, it means you ought to train your child to be able to succeed in this world. And it also means that you need to train your child to know and love the Lord. Let's talk about these two things. Let's talk about training your children to succeed in this world. Parents, I believe that one of the most important skills you need to teach your kids is to read. You need to teach your kids to read. If they're going to do good on the math test, they need to know how to read. Everything, almost everything, depends on reading. Not quite everything, but so much of life, reading is an essential skill. My wife taught our kids to read. It is one of the most generous, one of the most Wonderful, one of the most greatest loving things you can do for your kids. When our kids arrived at school, at kindergarten, they already knew how to read. Unfortunately, some of the other kids had to rely on the teacher to teach them their ABCs. Do you really think that it is in your children's best interest to leave their education to strangers? 
I think it's not. It's your responsibility. Read to your kids. Read with your kids. Amy and I even read to our kids when she was pregnant with them, knowing that they could probably hear her voice, most definitely hear her voice, but perhaps even hear mine. Teaching your kids to read will be able to engage their minds more than anything else. Now, training up a child in the way he should go also means teaching them to know and to love the Lord. And I've got news. The public schools will not do that for you. Okay? You need to do it. You might wonder, well, how? How do I do that? In short, they need to see it in you. That's it. That's the short answer. Let me tell you what Amy and I did with our kids. One of the things we did with our kids was we took our kids to church every Sunday. Every Sunday we were able. We took our kids to church. And I know you're thinking, because well, you're the pastor, you got to show up at church. You know, you're not, no one's going to pay you if you don't show up. There were times when uh, I wasn't a pastor. And we get, had our kids in church every Sunday. We were still in church. You see, let me ask you this, and I'm really not trying to, trying to hurt you if you're not as faithful in this as you need to be. But I need to ask you a question, parents. If you're taking your kids to church just every so often, which Sunday is the day that the Lord will change their lives? Is it the day that you brought them or the day that you stayed home and they missed the message? You need to be in church every Sunday. I hear people say, well, you know, hey, my teenager doesn't like coming to church, so I don't make him or her. I don't want, I don't want my teenager to end up hating God because I made him or her come to church. Well, again, at the risk of offending someone, let me just tell you that's nonsense. It's not about whether they like church. It's about whether it will benefit them. I don't like paying for medication. I don't like taking medication. But I do it because it benefits me. I don't like shopping for shoes. But shoes benefit my feet. I don't like taking out the trash, but taking out the trash benefits the peace, the tranquility, and the smell of the home. It has nothing to do with whether you like it or not. And it may be that if your teenager doesn't like going to church, it may be because they're just in a bad mood. Mood has nothing to do with it. They might accidentally learn something that will change their entire lives, the entire trajectory of not only their life here on earth, but their eternity. Go to church. Every single Sunday that you're able, it ought to be a priority for you, especially if you have kids. Amy and I also prayed with the kids before the meal at dinner time. Now, our faith 
was a simple faith, okay? It was real. We were real parents that liked to have real fun with our kids and really goof around and really do some cool things. And we really prayed sometimes. You see, we didn't ask our kids to become some type of superhero Christian expert. We didn't teach them to memorize the Torah and Hebrew backwards or anything like that. If you're into that, wonderful. You're better than me, okay? We just tried to be normal Christians who love the Lord. And a part of that was telling the kids, respect the Lord and treat people right. My son Timothy was four years old, I think, when he asked me this question. He's sitting in the back of the seat of the car, and I'm driving. And he said, Dad, what's life all about? I'm like, where'd this come from? What's life all about coming out of the mouth of a four-year-old? And my mind's scrambling, you know. I'm like, I've got a doctorate in theology. I don't, I don't know what life's about. What's life about? You know, how am I supposed to answer this question? And then it struck me. I, re- I remembered what life is about. And I told him what Jesus said. Love God and love people. And he said, okay, can we go to McDonald's? <laughs> like, sure. Had that figured out real quick. But, you know, our faith was simple. We just tried to be normal. You know, when the kids did something wrong, there were consequences. Sometimes Amy had to be the one to tell me, you know, quit going so easy on the kids because I'm, I'm a big softy at heart, you know. When we did something wrong, we apologized. Today, our kids are 26, 24, and 22. All three of them survive public schools. All three of them survive public universities. And all three of them are gainfully employed. Thank you, Lord. But most important to us, they love the Lord and they're in church every Sunday. Now, there are no guarantees. There were no guarantees with how our kids would turn out. There are no guarantees with how your kids will turn out. Because when your kids are grown, they will make their own decisions. But I believe this verse to be true. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Parents, don't let anyone undersell you on how influential you are to your kids. You love the Lord, and your kids will see it. Another verse, just one other verse I want to share with you. Proverbs twenty-nine, fifteen: The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. We're not going to get into a real deep discussion about corporal punishment because there's a lot of different views about it. But I'll just say this. In my opinion, there are times when a child might need a spanking from his mom or dad. If a spanking, for example, can help teach a child not to run out into the street, it just seems to me that the spanking is much less painful than the alternative. The goal of all discipline is not to hurt. It is to teach. And so however you choose to discipline your children, make sure there is a lesson learned. One of the most painful lessons my childhood friend Chad ever learned 
was when his dad said to him, Son, I'm disappointed in you. Chad told me, I wished he would have spanked me instead. This verse says, The rod and reproof, and reproof, give wisdom. The rod teaches nothing. It is the reproof. It is the teaching. You need to teach your children if you want them to gain the wisdom needed for this life. And when your child begins to make the right decisions independently of you, it means that that child is acquiring wisdom. But the fastest way to run a child's life is to leave him to his own devices. You let a child set his own rules and he will make no rules. Children appreciate and need boundaries. And the boundaries need to be set by you. Parents, I know that one of the most difficult things about being a parent is that it requires on-the-job training. You know, when that baby arrives, it doesn't come with an instruction manual. When your child heads off to elementary school for the first day, you don't know if you did enough as a parent. It's a scary day. The moment that your daughter turns 13 begins the year in which you age by 10 years. What happened to our daughter? Who is this creature? And why is she so angry all the time? Is there some 12-step program that can help me with this? By the time your kids move out of the house and they're on their own, that is when you are finally prepared to be a parent. And not until then. You see, you need to listen to the Lord. If you are going to go through your entire kid's upbringing unprepared for what the next day holds, which is the reality for all of us, then you need wisdom from the one who created that child. You need to listen to the Lord. The Lord says, they are your kids. I gave them to you to raise. The Lord says, raise them right. The Lord says, teach them about me. One of the greatest things that you can do for your kids is for you to know the Lord and Savior who created them and loves them. He is Jesus. He is the eternal Son of God. He came into this life, into this world, to live a life as one of us. The Bible tells us He voluntarily died on a cross to pay for all of our sins, all of our failures. And He conquered death by rising from the grave. And today, He is Lord over all because He ascended to that position in heaven. If today, you, Mom and Dad, are ready to follow Him, He's ready to receive you. And let me just say this as well. I don't want this to go just simply understood. I want to make it clear. This invitation to follow Christ, it stands available for anyone who has to date believed the lies of paganism. 
If to date you've been an agnostic, an atheist, a secular humanist, if you've been caught up in the LGBTQ lifestyle, or you've been confused about your gender identity, it matters not what your background is, because the most difficult person in the world to save is, is not you. It's the person that was raised religiously, who might think themselves to be righteous and not even have a need of a Savior. Today, whatever your situation is, if you know that you are in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ invites you to receive Him.